Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from TeachingBooks.net. Teaching Books strives to personalize each reader's connections to children's and young adult books. Discover thousands of resources that bring books and reading to life. Sign up for free today at TeachingBooks.net. Her love of, uh, you know, a sense of place. Uh, oh, for sure. Is renowned. Yeah. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 643. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner. If you want to support the show. Today, I'm joined by Wendell Miner illustrator most recently of Southwest Sunrise by Nikki Grimes. Wendell has worked on many widely recognized books and is a longtime collaborator with several prolific authors, including Jean Craighead George, author of Julie and the Wolves, Robert Burley, author of Tiny Bird, A Hummingbird's Amazing Journey, and Brenda Peterson, author of Wild Orca. What Wendell brings to Southwest Sunrise is a lifetime of experience as an artist and as a resident of the world and of nature. We talked about the land of enchantment and of the feeling of vibration, of energy, whenever Wendell is there. I felt my heart sway at his mention of feeling small under such a big sky. I hope this conversation, listener, transports you as well. Please welcome my guest, Wendell Miner, illustrator of Southwest Sunrise by Nikki Grimes. Uh, yes, I'm Wendell Miner. I use he, him pronouns. And uh, I'm an illustrator who's been working in children's books since 1988, which is a long time ago. Um, I've collaborated with many authors and have written, you know, several books myself. But I, uh, I love the collaboration poss- possibilities that happen with people I work with. Robert Burley is an author I work with a lot. And uh, Jean Craighead George, I, I think you remember that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Julie and the Wolves. Yes, absolutely. I did 22 books with Jean. 22 yeah. books with her. Yeah. You were in that way 
probably as as tied to her work as we would probably guess like Quentin Blake was to Roald Dahl. Well, you know, he's she became part of the family. Uh, wow. I have never met such a remarkable person in my whole life. And she was always up for an adventure. We traveled to the Arctic together. Wow. <laughs> to Yellowstone, to the Everglades. And we'd sit around the, her dining room table and come up with ideas for the next book. And, well, but uh, how did you meet? Did you, was uh, we, it? Yeah, we met uh, at the United Nations at uh, the anniversary of Earth Day in okay. uh, 1990. And I had known that she had uh, an involvement with the Everglades. She had written the uh, the guide to, to the park. And I said, I would love to do an Everglades book for children, uh, the way Marjorie Stoneman Douglas did with her book, famous book, The Everglades River of Grass. And she thought about it a while. And, uh, and you know, in, in between, I was doing some of her covers. Uh, but then she finally said, okay, and that was the beginning of a long relationship and producing so many books. How about that? Did you know her prior to you doing her covers? Was this like, no, I know no, sometimes I publishers choose. So it was sort of this kismet, I suppose, to have this relationship that they, yeah. they paired you and then you found this lifelong friend. Right. Yeah. She was legendary for her, her, uh, her ability to go and explore new places. Uh, I remember when we finished the Everglades book, she says, why don't we go to a cold place like Alaska in the Arctic, Barrow, Alaska, as far as you can get to the North Pole and still have a roof over your head. Uh, and uh, we would sit at a, a restaurant in the morning and she would uh, refine her text to my drawings and vice versa. And uh, so we did uh, several books on the Arctic. You know, Snow Bear is one. Uh, the Arctic Sun is another, and uh, I can't tell you how much th that relationship meant to me. You know, she passed away at 93, but she was still writing up to the last day. Wow! Um, just, just for a forever young person. Forever young, and just wanting always to to keep that through line to childhood, to write for children, to connect with their wonder. Exactly, and. You know, a lot of my books are dealing with the environment, nature, of course, history and biography. But Gene um, really liked my work, and we communicated so well we could sort of trade each other's thoughts sometimes. Um, so that was a, a very uh, wonderful relationship that we had, and uh, I miss it a lot. She is mm. so unique. I'm sorry for your loss, but I'm so grateful that you both were able to bring into the world. I mean, I can quite frankly say I was born in 81. And so I was coming uh, up a reader right, with those covers, with those <laughs> books. I happen to be of that right age. Right. And so I've, I've known you in a way that, and I've known your art in a way that I can only say for a few guests I've ever interviewed on this show to have known their work that way, to have grown up with their work and how that imprinted on me. And to hear that, behind that work was was this friendship and not just with her, but with these other folks that you've collaborated with right. is really something special to hear that. Well, it's interesting. I started out in publishing doing covers for novels in the adult trade division. I, In my career, I did almost 2,000 covers and I always wanted to do children's books. And one day I got a call from Harper Collins 
saying we have a book called Mojave. It's poetry about the desert. We knew you painted in the Southwest. Would you be interested? And I grabbed it. And that was my very first uh, uh, assignment. Uh, that was by uh, Diane Siebert. And uh, wonderful poem. And then we did two, two books after that. We did Sierra and Heartland. And, and to know that you always felt drawn to work with children, I feel like that that is something that I, I love discovering in the way that it connects with with those that work on my end, those that work in the library or in the classroom, that we we don't often we can't often put a thumb on why we we got into teaching other than sort of a sense of, well, how could I not? It felt inevitable that I'd be working with children. And I'm grateful that that the work found me. Exactly. My mother was a big influence. She was a nursery school teacher for 35 years and would always read the children's books uh, to the students. And when I was little, she'd do the same. And uh, I, everybody knows I'm a dyslexic. And so the pictures and the words were so important to me. The pictures helped me understand the language. And I always talk to young students about if you're slow reading, don't, don't fret. You will soon uh, become a master of, of reading if you just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. I think that I think that we're at such a great time for readers that there are so many people publishing so many books. We're really at a, a time in publishing when, well, I guess every year there's more books published than there were before. Right. But I think or I hope that's because there's also a market for even more of these books and for even more voices to be telling their story and stories, you know, of, of their childhood or of their passions or connecting with readers that maybe haven't seen themselves in stories before. I think that especially here with, with sun, with Southwest sunrise, you've got Nikki sharing this beautiful poem. And as you shared that you, you both share this, this love and interest and heart for the Southwest, but it strikes me being a person that reads an awful lot to children mm-hmm. that I rarely find books with 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 children of color, with African-American boys outside of the city. Right. And I know that, especially knowing Nikki, I know that that makes this book carry even more intention. And she's very intentional about her work. But to Absolutely. give yeah. to give those kids a chance to see themselves in other settings, I I want to, um, if you don't mind, Wendell, I'm going to read the beginning of her text to give folks a sense sure, of be great. the words. It just starts uh, here. Too old to cry myself to sleep. I hide behind my baseball cap, close my eyes and pout all the way from New York to New Mexico, mad about moving to a place of shadows. That's all I see when we land. Why are we here? What's so great about New Mexico? I wake up to a knife of sunlight, slicing through the room. Dad says is mine. I rub my eyes, stare out at the barless window at a mountain striped in rainbow. Hey, who put that there? I didn't see it last night. And then from there, her words and your art walk us through really, I think, expansive beauty. You give so much space to 
sky in this book and landscape in this book yeah. as as you were complimenting Nikki on her uh sense of location i feel like you also gave us a a wide view and just a a, a quiet and open space or perhaps not quiet because it's it's full of different animals different yeah. inhabitants but i i really felt i i felt transported it was wonderful have you ever been to new mexico I've never been to New Mexico. I've only traveled through photos right. because I know that New Mexico is where they send up the hot air balloons. <laughs> That's these right. Great the festivals. Fest- so the big I have festival, this, yes. Yeah. So I have this great, I've always had this great fascination. I grew up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think like in many cities, we we have places where they would, where hot air balloons would would set off. And, and uh, you know, I remember going to the park and seeing, must have been 20 or 30 set up into the sky and go on whatever race or journey or something right. across a portion of Pennsylvania. But to see the photos, we had a puzzle, uh, a jigsaw puzzle of um, hot air balloons over New Mexico. So I've perhaps since childhood just always associated hot air balloons and sunrises or sunsets, that well, the, the colorful sky yep. with New Mexico. Uh, they call New Mexico the land of enchantment. And uh, that's more than a phrase, because when you go there, especially uh, when you visit Santa Fe and some of the other smaller towns around the northern section of New Mexico, you feel a vibration, you feel an energy the way I always felt energy in New York. And I think that energy comes from the tri-culture, you know, the Anglo and uh, Native American and Spanish cultures. And they all have There are frictions, but the frictions uh, are what really generate the energy. And uh, it's really wonderful to to see that. When did you first experience the Southwest? Or maybe when did you first fall in love with the Southwest in that way? Um, This was about 1974. Um, I decided I was going to stop doing covers for a while and go out and paint. That was my other passion. And uh, so I had friends out there and they invited me out and I just had an old pickup truck and I'd throw my paints in the back and I'd wander around the the desert and find a subject that I was really in love with. And I would paint and I, would, I, I, I did, I think, about 30 paintings in four weeks when I went out there. And uh, it was really a wonderful experience, you know, to sense, to sense the atmosphere and feel, feel the uh, energy in the land. Uh, makes it a very special place. Wow. The the draw that, that you and Nikki both give in a child being in a new space and falling in love by himself there. There's no one here to convince him right. that this is a place that he should or will love. Rather, the, the main time we get any voice at all is mom calling him back to the house because right. he's been out he's wow. been out looking at the flowers well, and being yeah, yeah. Mom, was, mom was very clever in giving him a field guide yeah and she knew that gave him license to discover on his own without any parental uh, advice and that's where i think he came to realize on his own that this place was something he could live with did you 
have to do any research? I know you, you do research for all of your books, yeah. but was there specific research you were drawing from here or was some of this from memory or from works? That well, you I, went, yeah. I went out to New Mexico for a week and to mm. sort of refresh my memory. And uh, Nikki has uh, stayed up in Abiquiu at Ghost Ranch. That's the home of Georgia O'Keeffe. And uh, oh. that's sort of a writer's retreat up there. And uh, I just went back to Abiquiu. Uh, I took, you know, did some sketches, did some photographs, just to refresh my memory. And it's just as exceptional and beautiful as I remembered it. And it's such a sense of awe because you feel so small against the sky and the landscape there. It's very humbling. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Professor Bookworm. Professor Bookworm is an online literacy classroom that offers virtual reading groups and writing sessions for kids grades 1 through 6. These programs are engaging and fun and can be formatted around a family's schedule. Bookworm sessions are the perfect supplement to both in-person and online learning. Bookworm reading groups are conducted through interactive virtual activities and individualized feedback that are geared toward building reading comprehension. Each reading session walks the student through a complete chapter book. The writing program consists of 30-minute writing sessions with an instructor via Zoom. These sessions, which are designed to improve writing mechanics, can consist of one to four students, depending on the child's preferences. The founder, Carolyn Zoba, inspired by her work with colleagues and mentors on diversity, equity, and inclusion, is passionate about exposing children to more diversity through the Bookworm program. When building bookworm programs, she makes an effort to choose books that feature strong, positive, and diverse characters. She hopes to encourage students to explore other cultures, call out racial biases, and develop an inclusive mindset. Professor Bookworm just announced their holiday book bundles, which are boxes that contain all you need to complete as many reading sessions as you would like, plus a few trinkets for the kids. Order for the holiday boxes must be in by December 5th. They're offering 20% off your first purchase of a holiday box or bookworm reading session to listeners of the Children's Book Podcast. Please use code CHILDRENS20. That's C-H-I-L-D-R-E-N-S and the number 2-0 at checkout. Get started today at ProfessorBookworm.com. The, there's a section in the book that talks about that that feeling where he's craning his his uh, head up to look at these the, the the line is deep waves of turquoise. Right. Uh, where was all this sky in New York City? He asks, <laughs> uh, and just says, "Never mind the sky. I still miss the feeling of wow, craning my neck to study the top of skyscrapers." But but that goes away i think in that sense of just the idea that we if we're looking for wonder we'll find it wherever we go and that it just looks different but it it no less is wonder right exactly um you know i've done books in several locations uh, whether it's uh, you know yellowstone national park or 
the Everglades. There are a number of books I've done on national parks, not not about them, but them as a place to set the story. And uh, I've always gone there uh, to do my research. And I, as I said before, Gene and I had an incredibly fun time traveling together and experiencing those places through her eyes because she had been there several times before. So she was a great teacher in that regard. So at this point in your career, or perhaps even sooner before this point, <laughs> um, do you find that you get a lot of works that are that are centered in nature because that that is your strength because that's how how people see your voice through art or is that something that you seek out well it's interesting uh, my collaborations with robert burley and like i did with gene we talk over the phone we talk about certain ideas or that we might want to develop mm. one one recent book that came out is called tiny bird uh, hummingbird's amazing journey and uh, we just Every, you know, everybody loves hummingbirds and, you know, we have them around our house, but I never knew that they had to fly, you know, close to 2000 miles on their round trip of migration and all the troubles and problems that they have along the way. Um, hmm. And it's, it's this little tiny bird, you know, that measures about three inches wide and four inches wingspan can f have that energy and to fly that, that distance is truly astounding. 2,000 miles. Yep. And we have, I've, I've seen hummingbirds, uh, and I've also seen cicadas and humming. <laughs> it always strikes me that I'm like, well, those cicadas are a lot bigger than I remember. But right. also whenever we see the hummingbird at our feeder, it's, it's wow, what a small and delicate thing. I, I always marvel at um, heartbeats, learning about how whales uh, some whales have heartbeats that only beat four times a minute. Right. And, and, and you know, uh, on the other side of it, you have hummingbirds that are several hundred, I believe, something like 200 times a minute. Yeah, um, their wings beat at about 80 beats a second. 80. I just, it's, it's almost unfathomable to think that that is how things, <laughs> that's how a creature functions so different from us, but yet again, so much wonder. So it doesn't surprise me that you would spend uh, your career surrounding yourself by people that that see this wonder too, so that you can bring that forth to your readers and that you can really, I, I imagine, delight in the research yourself. Oh, it's fun. You know, I, I, every bit of what I do is always got its rewards. And research is going to places, meeting new people, seeing new places. And that's inspiration. And I think I couldn't put the passion into these books unless I did that. And I, I really feel I owe to the children a sense of honesty about what they're looking at that is accurate and hopefully inspire them to go places as well. I think that's um, so many children today don't get out of the city. They don't experience nature. And uh, that's something that I think every child should have the opportunity to do. You know, one of the, for our family, I can speak for, one of the best things about this quarantine, if we're looking for the light in dark places, mm -hmm. is that the places we have gone out have been to go out to the woods where we're alone. Yes. 
and and finding those well i i think i said this before but finding those spaces that make you feel small there's a right. great comfort in just feeling that you're just this speck in the universe and 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 i don't i don't even know how to describe it just the feeling you get in your stomach of just whoa <laughs> this guy is right. is way up there <laughs> it it puts life into perspective and yeah. our problems I think shrink when we go out in nature. Yeah. Just a, a wonderful thing for children to be able to do. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Libro.fm. It's the gift giving season, and our friends at Libro.fm are helping to make sure you and the readers in your life enjoy the latest and best audiobooks out there. Get two audiobook credits for the price of one when you enter promo code WINNER at checkout. Or purchase a 3, 6, or 12-month gift membership for yourself or your favorite reader before January 1st, 2021, and enjoy credits to use on any of Libro FM's 150,000-plus audiobooks, regardless of price. Plus, the credits are DRM-free and do not expire. 30% off additional audiobooks, including gifts during membership, expert recommendations from booksellers, free Libro FM iOS and Android listening apps, and you can support a local bookstore as a Libro FM member. I'm going to be honest, that's my favorite part. When you buy a 12-month Libro FM gift membership, Libro.fm will be passing half of what you spend along to the bookstore of choice, meaning bookstores get $90 for every 12-month gift membership. There's really no better choice for that reader in your life this holiday season. I love my Libro FM. I've been a member for several years, getting the same great audiobooks and the same prices as other audiobook sellers, but with the comfort of knowing my purchases are helping my local independent bookstore. Treat yourself or your loved ones to a Libro.fm membership this year. Use the link in the show notes and happy listening. You you take us there in your end paper so quickly from the cityscape to to this this landscape of the rock formation when you were doing your art do you work with i assume it's it's pen and watercolor right um actually it's pencil and gouache oh it's pencil and gouache oh the colors you get are so soft and and just like lived in i love it it's a medium that's been around for about 500 years and it's and what i found is the printing um presses can re- reproduce very accurately the color I lay down oh. on an illustration board. I've, I've painted in acrylic and, and oil in the past, but I've always gravitated back to gouache. It's also a, a medium that's more spontaneous. And I have to say that there are sometimes I start a piece, I think it's great, halfway through it, I think, no, this isn't working. <laughs> I rip it up and start another one, you know. <laughs> So, I was waiting for you to tell me that it comes back again, that you, when you're at the three quarter or 90% mark, you're like, oh no, it's good again. No, it's amazing how, you know, <laughs> you get, you get started on a piece and uh, you get to the halfway point and you realize you're fighting some, you know, the uh, 
the forward uh, uh, the forward movement that you want to have. Hmm. Uh, and uh, so I think it's better to start over fresh because you've learned something about the piece that, that you ruined. And I always find that the second piece is so much better. How long will it take you to do a spread in a book typically, or in, in this book, how long would it take you to do a spread from sketch to, to the final art? Um, you know, it, uh, probably uh, between five and 10 days. Wow. And uh, that's, that's why I love the medium because it's, it is so expedient. Hmm. To, to um, think about how your book lays out, if we were to sort of take apart, the entire book and just lay the whole thing out like mm-hmm. a giant wallpaper. It's, <laughs> I noticed that too. I feel like the more I read, the more I have a sense of the variety that the illustrator is intentionally showing us. And this is a landscape that I think could, despite the wonder for, for someone who hasn't been in that place could become bland or mundane to see the same rock formation and the same grass over and over. Mm -hmm. So to keep, to keep uh, entertaining the eye there and showing different shapes and, 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 and drawing the eye to different locations around uh, the page is something that, that I can see your intention um, here. I, I could see my eye following the gaze of the child. I could see my eye looking for the birds in the sky right. or things like that. So, um, so I, I don't really know what I was saying in that direction. Just thanks. Good job. <laughs> well, I, well done. <laughs> I use, I use a cinematic perspective where yeah. I do close-ups and then distant things. And I think it, it really uh, moves the story along. Um, you know, we don't always see everything in one picture. So sometimes it's best to do a very close-up. So, uh, the, the one with the uh, the lizard in, in the boy's hand. I was going to say the same example. thing. Yeah. yeah. To and, look uh, at that that lizard um, close up in his hand, observe the blue uh, tail and feet, and then to turn page and be having the camera sit right on the ground with with those bones, with those skulls, yeah. and have the, uh, the camera really looking right at the child coming upon that discovery i thought there's there's direction going on here there's a director at hand <laughs> well you know it's interesting uh, i've always been an admirer of georgia o'keefe and mm. she was a an avid collector of bones and as a matter of fact a lot of her paintings are the subjects of, of bones and i think she she brought to life for the average person the beauty of the structure of those things in the abstract and uh, I always felt that uh, her work, you know, the simplicity of her work has always impressed me and tried to try to, I have tried to be influenced by that as well. Well, I, I love the, the detail, the trans transporting that you and Nikki gave us in this book. I, I, I wanted to just tell you straightforward how, how much this book took me away and brought me to such a quiet space. I think also we're, we're all reading differently in quarantine. I'm right. finding that different books are having different effect. And this is a really good time um, to slow down and then to have 
books as vessels to help you do exactly that. And this book in that way was quite therapeutic almost. I think I want to say it just, it yeah, really. Well, it it was me for me. It was for oh, me yeah. to paint the paintings. I mean, you know, I felt a sense of peace when I was doing these things. And I think that addresses the point you're trying to make. Hmm. And hopefully, you know, everything that I do, I try to translate that sense of wonder uh, as close to reality as I can. So a child, once they go to a place that they have read a book about and then they see it for themselves, they really make the connection and the awe that that, that generates is, is also amazing. Yeah. Beautiful work. I also, <laughs> I also should say, you know, we, we've congratulated Nikki on being the Children's Literature Legacy Award winner. Right. But to have that sticker, I, I don't remember ever seeing that that sticker, that stamp on any other book. And to have it here on the cover right. just makes me smile. And it's actually on my cover, and I'm sure all the other books. Yes. It's placed right there within his gaze, like the sun <laughs> shining down. <laughs> it's quite lovely. <laughs> I always think like when you're looking at a book and you're like, wow, this book is really beautiful. If it won an award, where would they put the sticker? <laughs> it's just a delight (laughs) well they they managed to put it in the right place i have to say (laughs) (laughs) well um wendell it was really wonderful getting a chance to sit down and talk to you today before we close our time together i'd like to ask you a question about about our readers about yours and my readers right And, and that is that i will see a library full of children tomorrow morning is there a message that i could bring to them from you well, I always think of a library as a place that will take you any place you want to go, whether it's in history, in, in the past or the future. It, you know, it's, it teaches you about famous people of the past. The, the library is just, you know, a whole wonderful resource for every child. And as I said, being a dyslexic when I was a kid, I had a librarian who took interest in my, my problem and gave me the right books at the right time. And I think uh, that is so important uh, for children. The library is just forever, ever relevant in, in anyone's life. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. Want to help out the show? Become a patron at patreon.com slash matthewcwinner, and your support and contributions will directly support and impact my work here. And always, writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that is a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle... 
I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.